1: Hi and welcome to the podcast. Today I have a really old friend with me. Zach Nazarian became the pastor of Hope Chapel in Hermosa Beach when I left in nineteen eighty-three. And I mean we're just two old war horses that refuse to die or give up. We're still going on strong. The thing that's so significant to me about Zach, and we'll get to that a little bit later, is the faithfulness. The church is obviously very successful. They pulled off land and building things that I only dreamed of, and I'm excited about that. But as we get into this, Zach, I just want you to introduce yourself. Go back to—I mean, you're the hotshot in high school and all that—and then tell about you know the kind of the disaster that led to you walking into the Lord, and you know you seeing the sign go up that ticked you off about the church and and the stupid pastor that was already there. Just you know, give us a little of that history.
0: Well, interestingly. Ralph, tomorrow, June 6th, will be the 40th anniversary of my first staff meeting with you. Wow. So I've been at Hope for now 40 years. Tomorrow. Wow. Which is astounding to me. Seems like yesterday. I grew up in Manhattan Beach, went to a Catholic school, I was raised Catholic. As I grew up and got older, I never disbelieved in God, but but the relevance of church became less and less in my life. And when I graduated from high school, moved out of my parents' house and moved out of the church, again, never disbelieving in God, but just didn't see the relevance of church and going to mass every Sunday and going to confession every Saturday. And the routine of it all was just very boring. And I saw over the years, I saw a number of inconsistencies in Catholicism that troubled me. I graduated from high school, went to USC, went to pharmacy school. So I graduated from there and started just working as a pharmacist in the South Bay. Then an opportunity came for me to uh, go to Hawaii, the big island of Hawaii in Kailua, Kona, and open uh, the very first retail pharmacy drugstore. And that was quite an experience. In fact, all the little ladies who would come in on the tour buses, Because their husbands had all died. So they're on tour. And they would say, Don't you just love it here in paradise? And by that time, I said, Yes, another day, stuck in paradise. (laughs) Hawaii began to wear on me after a couple of years. Wasn't really much to do. And I'd built a successful business, become a member of the community, recognized. Although I was a bit of an anachronism, I had long hair and a big handlebar mustache, so everybody knew the pharmacist in the Kailua. But it was great. Uh, I managed to uh, interact with the, the local doctors and win their trust. And the, uh, the big thing in Kona was staph infections. And people would come into my pharmacy uh, with horrible, horrible wounds from staph infections. And they were sick and tired of going to the doctors because the doctors were charging an arm and a leg. So I just devised a little simple remedy. I started stocking physohex soap and peroxide and neosporin cream. And I said, uh, wash real good with physohex, put some peroxide on it, and then put neosporin on it. And people started coming back and back and back. So it was just, it was just great. I was, a, I felt really relevant there, and I, I loved the people. I didn't love pharmacy necessarily, but I loved ministering to people. Little did I know that there maybe had been a latent calling in my life. As I said, I never disbelieved in Jesus, but I left Hawaii and traveled around the world for a couple of years. It was very interesting. I discovered a lot of things about myself and about world. Came home, got married, and I made the, the strategic mistake of living with this woman for a year before we got married. You know, I bought into the philosophy of, well, you know, you just, we have to make sure. And we ended up getting divorced. She left me for another guy. It was just devastating. I had deliberately waited till I was in my 30s to get married because a lot of my friends from high school had gotten married early and ended up being divorced. So I was determined not to be a statistic and here I became a statistic.
1: And it was pretty devastating
0: if I remember
1: right. You were doing fill-in for another pharmacist and and found your car missing on the street. She'd pretty much taken everything. Yeah literally
0: penniless started by the way we started an amway business also and uh, we were fairly successful that she took all that the day it was in one day when i was not at the house just absconded with everything couldn't get in touch with her and i was served with divorce papers just just shocked my system i'll never forget you know god had been talking to me when i got served with those papers i remember looking up i remember saying okay okay I know you're there. I just don't know what you want, but I want to find out and I'm going to do it. And it was uh, the next day. That was a Saturday night. It was actually February 14th, Valentine's Day. She left, okay. <laughs> And so the next morning was Sunday morning. We had visited Hope Chapel a couple of years earlier when uh, you guys were meeting at the community center on Manhattan Beach Boulevard. And a little, a little Korean high school girl from Maricosa was in our Amway business. And she heard us talking about church, and she didn't realize that we were talking to other distributors about a strategy. Where do you meet good people? I mean, good people you want to be lifelong friends with and We believed in the business. It wasn't a scam or anything. So we said, you know, we've searched all all over the place that where you meet good people is in church. So we began visiting churches. And uh, so she hears hears us, overhears that conversation. And she said to us, are you looking for a church? I said, yes, I am. Now, I didn't know her very well. She was like three legs down from us. She said, would you like to come to my church? And I thought to myself, I've probably already been to your church. But what church is it? And she said, it's Hope Chapel. I said, Hope Chapel? Well, I hadn't heard of it, didn't recall visiting. And I said, Well, where is it? She says, Oh, we meet in the community center on Manhattan Beach Boulevard. And I thought to myself, A community center? What is this? Churches have buildings. You know, I was used to the very classical expression of church. And that's when you guys were growing, starting out. So I visited the first Sunday with her. We sat in the very front row. You were gone. And Dick Wittett, was preaching. So it was okay. You know, the the song service, I was unaccustomed to that kind of expression of church. So I was all eyes and all ears. The scary thing for me at that point was during the song service, there was a little lull in the service. You you may remember we, we... you know, the, the worship leader took a little time out, and that would give time for people to share a word from the Lord or sing a song in the congregation. We used to do a lot of that. And so I'm going, well, what is this? So I just waited, and I promise you, right behind me, right behind me, this guy goes off in this gibberish <laughs> i had no category i had no idea what it was obviously later on i came to know it as tongues just right behind me and you know it's it's impolite to look right to turn and look but i couldn't help myself i turned around and here's a guy dressed in buckskin i can't remember who he was i don't know who he was but he was just going off and i said this is crazy we're in some cult so i leaned over and told my wife i said you know when this is over we're leaving we get outside, little Karen, the little high school girl says, well, what did you think? Well, it was very interesting. says, would you like to come back? And inside I'm going, no, 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 but she's a distributor. So I said, mm, yeah, okay, we'll come back next week. And that's when you were there. And you said, <laughs> I'll never forget this, Ralph. You said, we're not having Bible study this morning. We're having family business. And you began to go and explain to the congregation how they're growing and We've been looking for a larger facility, and we found one, and we're praying about it, and God's going to get it for us. And I'm listening, going, this guy is in la-la land. And you began to describe the building. It was, of course, the bowling alley. And I thought, no way. I knew the people who were going to take that bowling alley and turn it into a health club, and I was getting a charter membership. So at the conclusion of that service, I was convinced you know, they're just going to pray about it. That's it. It's not going to happen. And we left. I left mocking and laughing. You have to appreciate that. And God's sense of humor. And then about six months later, I'm driving down Pacific Coast Highway. And on that little marquee, I remember you telling me that marquee and that sign was up for one day. It had these words, God is coming. It didn't have Hope Chapel, nothing on it. But I knew instantly what that was all about. That marquee had been there and actually had the letters
1: were. It, I don't know what they use it for in the bowling alley, but it was a for sale sign that they'd use those old letters for. And one of our guys shinned up the pole and all, all he could find was enough letters to, he wanted to say Hope Chapel, but he couldn't find that. So he put God is coming. and That was like the day before you saw. It.
0: Wow. And uh, well, I remember you tell me it was up there basically for one day. So it just, it just, it just floored me. Then it was that shortly thereafter my wife left me. And that was on Valentine's Day, as I said earlier. And then Sunday morning, I was I was banging on the door. And I've been there ever since, you know, Wait. except for the short ter- period of time where I went away to school. But, sure. Uh, you just- know what
1: impressed me in the beginning? It actually scared me. You, you know, we're still a bunch of hippies. And it was kind of an interesting thing. There was hippies, carpenters, and aerospace engineers that basically made up the congregation. Right. And here you came in, and, and you're pretty polished, and you're very well put together, and you start showing up for every service. And, and we were doing multiple Sunday morning services, and Friday night was another front Sunday morning service. And, and so I started trying to change the sermon just to not bore you. And I, I remember you standing at the back kind of wearing a shirt and a sweater and, you know, looking real put together. And I'm, I'm just up there dying week after week thinking, this poor guy, I'm just... And, and and you were so hungry for the Lord. It's like we couldn't let go. We couldn't mess up because we knew that God was doing strong things in your life. And then then you started kind of coming around asking everybody and your cousin about where to go to a Bible school or or, or whatever. And and then when when you did go away to school. Because part of the time, you're you're able to stay where you live. But when you went away to the school, you even started house church at that point, didn't you?
0: Actually, it was shortly after I started coming to Hope. You guys started HCMI. Craig Engler, you used him, and, and you guys started HCMI and brought Bill Counts and Mark Arrington and those guys down from uh, C, um, Christian Associates or the Light and Power, the old Light and Powerhouse. Man, that was just perfect for me. I, could, I was back working in the pharmacy. I could work all day. I was working 60 hours a week. And I was just, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. In my mind, I was playing catch up. Everybody else knew the Bible. I had no idea what was in the Bible. So I'm just like a fire hose taking as much as I can. And Counts and those guys really, really, really encouraged me. And then when I exhausted HCMI, I remember I came to you and I said, Ralph, I I want more. I've taken all the HCMI classes.
1: HCMI, by the way, was Hope Chapel Ministries Institute.
0: Right, right. We're still running it, by the way. Oh, wow! All yeah. these years later, that's cool. Yeah, that's integral to our training program. So you'd be happy to know that. We, I kept pretty much all of, all the philosophy that you imbued into us has been. I, I just try to keep it going. So I came to you when I exhausted ACMI, and I said, "I want more." What, what do we? What do you recommend? And you said, "Well, you just the only other thing is Bible school or seminary," and I, I couldn't. I couldn't see myself doing it and going to school full time and, and trying to work full time. But I did. I met my wife, Julie, my, my new wife, Julie, at that time, and we got together. And that's an interesting, miraculous story. But we got together and uh, we got married. And I decided to go to uh, Christian Associates, these guys that, for HCMI who'd already had a relationship with, invited me to come it was just a little a little seminary but it was a lot of personal attention a lot of time with these guys they're all Dallas grads by that time i'm i'm learning pedigrees and theology and categories and things like that so i felt like i had the best of both worlds i got exposure to you to hope chapel and to counts bill counts and his staff so i i just i felt gosh this is this is a miracle so i finished up there now What's interesting is that I wasn't going to school because I wanted to be a pastor. <laughs> I was going to school because I wanted to learn the Bible. And I wanted to go back and become a millionaire and uh, get back in Amway. But God had other plans, obviously. And I, I remember for, to, to finish my master's, I got a, ma- uh, a master divinity degree from the school. And I remember finishing up that degree. I had to do an internship. And I told the guys, I said, look, I'm not interested in being a pastor. They said, it doesn't matter. You still have to do this. So I called you. We were up living up in Valencia. I don't know if you remember. But I called you and I said, Ralph, I have to do this internship. Is there any way I could do it at Hope? And you're, you thought, you said, well, you know, I don't know. We've never had an intern. We wouldn't know what to do with an intern. But let me pray about it. That was one thing I always, always respected about you. You would not make a decision until you prayed about it. And so he said, let me pray about it, and I'll call you back. So about two weeks later, he called me back. He said, now, let me, I'll never forget this. He said, now, before I tell you what I'm going to tell you, let me just say this. We, we believe God's in this. So here I'm thinking, not positively, I'm thinking, well, he's going to let me down and blame God, right? God said, <laughs> no. Honestly. And so uh, you said, you know, we don't really fully understand this, but uh, we believe that you're, you're supposed to be here. We're going to bring you down here. And we're gonna make an intern. We're gonna pay a thousand dollars a month. I said, "What?" Blew me away. Blew me away. Again, you know, I'm not. It's not my heart's desire to be a pastor, but I'm gonna go through, jump through the hoops, and do what I have to do. Finish my degree. You know, let me interject here.
1: We've never, I, you know, people have residencies and internship programs. We've always, what we're going to get into, you and I talking, we've raised people up through, you know, from in-house. Uh, all of our pastors have come up through the ranks and, so we really didn't know what to do with an, an intern, and we, but we really believed in you. And so we were going to construct this thing where I think we paid you $1,000 a month to work for 15 hours a week. And, 20 hours. and, then, and, then, and then we caught you uh, going like 55 hours a week. And it's like, somebody's got to slow this guy down. And it was a counseling load, which is a killer to me. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you were just gung ho from the start. It was incredible, and yet you still weren't thinking about being a pastor at that point.
0: No, no, I, I, I just, I just wanted to be helpful. You know, I, I was learning. I was reading. I've always been a voracious reader. You know, I began to. The school gave me some trailheads. How I could explore. How I could become self-educated. In effect, which I guess most every pastor is anyway. So. But it was one thing after another. And then it was the end of the year, my year internship. I went to you and I said, okay, my year's up. Would you sign my papers here and sign me off and then I'll be on my way? The, you said, well, you know, we've been thinking about, it, praying about, it. we'd like you to stay on. And we'll double your salary. We'll pay you $2,000 a month. <laughs> that's a lot of money. <laughs> I can make a lot more money, Ralph. But... You were so encouraging to me. And I thought, you know, I could do another year. So I went home, talked to Julie. We prayed about it following your lead. And and certainly we said, okay, we can do another year. So there was a six months into this second year, you were dealing with some very, very challenging issues. You were leaving at the end of this day. I can't remember what day it was. I'm at the top of the stairs waiting for my counseling appointments to show up. So I'm I'm going on into the evening. It's the end of your day. So you're going down the stairs knowing what you're dealing with, not knowing all the details, but I, I knew it was stressful. And I said, you know what, Ralph? I said, uh, I just have all the sympathy for you. I'm praying for you. And uh, I, I just, uh, I'm glad you're in this spot. And then you turned to me and you just smiled at me. Your classic Ralph Moore smile. I don't know if everybody ever says that to you. <laughs> I never forget that smile. You looked at me and says, well, you're probably going to have to deal with these things when you're sitting in my chair. And then you, you were gone no explanation, nothing. And I thought, what in the world was that all about? The next day, I'm in your office first thing in the morning, and I'm saying, what was that? And that's when you began to unveil this vision that God had given you, as you suggested five years earlier, about going to Hawaii, planning churches, bridging to Japan, ultimately, and likely around the world. Oh, oh, and then we back up. I said, well, the shock was just wearing off. You're leaving. And I said, Ralph, who's going to take your place? And we said, you said, we're not sure, but we think it's you. I said, you're crazy. No, 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 no. no, no. You
1: leaned over my desk. You hopped over my desk. Put your hands on my desk. Got in my face and said, you are out of your mind. Well, yes, and we stomped out of the office.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at Ralph Moore. Dot .net.